Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Tone Alex podcast. I am your host James and I'm joined by my good friend Timmy Long. Hi everyone. Sean is on the switch, say hi Sean. How's it going? And Derry Desmond is the guest today. How are you Derry? I'm alright considering. Derry is a right cock name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. True, and don't go out of my history. Very Republican. That's another day. Listen, this <laughs> podcast is all about going into the history. I heard that. I heard that. that that's what worries me. <laughs> go on. Do you want to go a little bit into the... Are you from a Republican background? My great-grandfather was, and Desmond's of Clan Mult would have been my family. So, but my history and my father said is very vague. My father never spoke about it. Oh, my yeah. father got MS when I was 13, 14. And Where was he from? Originally from Watergrass Hill, but his family would have been from Dungorney. But all that was Milton Dungorney, you know, yeah. all the one. And I suppose he never spoke about it, even though he lived to 83. Sick all his life. I looked after him. Thankfully, I did the right thing. One one of the right things I did in my life. Made sure he was looked after until the day he died. And, um, but he never spoke about his past. But his funeral, there was people came and, you know. Yeah. There was all the woodworkers, we say. Yeah. That we never knew existed, and we left them had their bit. We had our bit as a family, and they did what they had to do. As did you get own. a bit of history on him when he passed from people? Not really, because he helped me through a part of my life. He became my best friend, even though I, he got sick when I was very young. But we mm-hmm. became very close. Um, I suppose we can. I kept. I became very close when my marriage started breaking down, mm-hmm. which is no an open book for me. Yeah, and he he was my counselor. One line, one liners. He just said to me, um, like, Bar, my ex wife, he got, um, she's a good mother, bad wife. You're waiting for the next bit. Mm. Three hours later, you're sitting down and you're still waiting for the next bit of advice. Mm. Once the kids are happy, um, it is what it is. All these one liners, and we became very good and very good friends. He was my therapist, like, yeah. but he was a good man in that way. But we became very close. He was very clued in. Um, very, how would I put it? Um, my mother was everything to him. Yeah. Where was your mum from? Watercress Hill, that's where we. So you're fucking born and raised up in I was born and raised in Yoel. Fuck away with that. Yeah. Bit of um, a trek from Watercress Hill. Purchase <laughs> filling station, my father would have built it. Yeah. He got MS when I was 12, this old was 13, because he couldn't do it anymore. That's where he was. I'm bringing two of you right back to you for one second, okay? Right. Right, Gary. You're living in Africa now, aren't yes. you? Okay. What do you do in Africa? I volunteer. You volunteer? Yes. Right. So we can just give a little bit of context here and we'll go into your story. All right. We'll bring you right back. It's Marbet. All right. So you you were born and bred in Watergrass Hill. Right. i tell you where my African dream came from. At 15 years of age, I sit down 
in my front room with my father watching live it one of the very few Saturdays mm-hmm. I wasn't no drunk I started work at 13 and I said I ain't going to save the world you know 50 mm-hmm. brash out like um, half a country boy half a city boy because they worked in the city so I thought I was above everyone else mm-hmm. in the country like. um, <laughs> were you a big strong man no tall skinny lanky fucker out every week getting locked drunk pardon the French don't remember my youth from say, 13 to 19 I even met a girl last night and even know who she was oh okay yeah and but it all came back to you know I had very good friends who minded me but they were harmless days for us because there wasn't what's out there now wasn't there mm. you might get a bit of hash you're lucky but I couldn't smoke because I just couldn't handle it thankfully so just drink and I had a very good boss and he was very good to me and he kept me in the straight and narrow simple rules there you come into work Monday you don't touch it till Friday I don't care what you do Saturday and Sunday is oblivion then but got this mad dream at 15 I'm going to save the world by 21 I was married to my best friend three years later we had our first child with three kids our marriage broke down it happens um, both of us not one of us both of us and we worked out a solution within two years we became good friends again mm. I lived in one house she lived in the other I saw my kids seven days a week we had dinner together we did everything together and I suppose four years apart, it probably came out to people realise we were separated. Mm. You have a good relationship with your... We were going to our kids' matches together, soccer matches. Oh, that's fantastic. No difference. Yeah. But then I went into a very, a very dark place personally, for some reason or other. It just happens. I'd say because I had a business, it went well up. I lost thousands. Lost our home. I bought a home, gave it to my ex-wife, set them up. Kids are okay, oblivious to it. They know all the story now, but they're oblivious to it at the time. And... But we support each other like that, you know. So that's basically my dream. My dream has been a long finger, job after job. You know, first job was 16 and a half years. Went out on my own, fell apart after two and a half years. Probably what were you doing, Larry? Florist. Qualified florist. Florist. Lovely. Um, everyone, anyone in Arsenal would know me. That's flower boy around the cold case. Mm-hmm. Long hair, dressed like a hippie. You know, different times. Did you grow all your own no, flowers? No, Importing flowers. Oh, did you? Cut flowers. Cut flowers. And the company I work with now is no longer in existence. They closed down a year ago. Um, I was talking to my ex-boss, I think, last year, and he was telling me he's 80-odd, time to move mm-hmm. on. There was no one to take it over. And then from there, I ended up in Atlantic Home Care for a year or two. Found that hard. Then went to McMahon's Bill of Survivors, where I spent an awful lot of years. And that's where I gained qualifications off the field because I left school at 13 mm. got the degrees here and qualifications here and I was managed from eventually I became a, a buyer and in between all that my weight ballooned because I was drinking four cans of coke a day um, to the outside world I was the perfect man mm. ex-wife happy kids but inside I was in turmoil and look at God I met a I did a climb for Irish cancer that is true work hated it with a passion were you overweight this time when oh, you went, yeah. went on yeah. that walk and we did it because I had to do it I was a manager work. Mm. you had to get out there and you know lead the forces thought I'd die coming off it a week later John Lennon drags me out to do Coran Tool you must be the hundred person I'd say John Lennon's after dragging from Coran Tool <laughs> yeah, against their will <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest but all in good all, all in good faith though Mirror. every single one I've no doubt at the time I hated it it was the worst yeah. thing ever happened to me couldn't walk for two weeks <laughs> lift my arms for two weeks how I, long did it take you to go up and down I, look 
it was horrendous that day, the rain, and I never knew the ladder wasn't the waterfall till I went down maybe a month later with a friend I met in the climb with John, John Mulcahy, who I became good friends with. And I went down and I said, where are we going? This way we were the last day. I said, there was a waterfall. That's not, that was the rain, Derry. Mm. And three months later, I did ever space camp with another friend of ours, a friend of John's as well, Graham, who does these things. And that's where I found my soul, my mojo. I got my buzz back. I got a bit of altitude sickness at Nemshi Bear. I hope I pronounce it right now, but it's Nemshi, I think it's called. I was very sick going up. I said nothing. I didn't care if I died in the mountain. That's the mm. mentality. I was in no, I had to do this. It was like my step to better my life, whatever I said in my head. And got up, got down, lost the weight in the space of a week and a half because of altitude, not because of being a hero or anything. Came back, looked terrible, but I found my soul. If you can mm. explain it, that's the only way I can say it, I found my soul. Six months later, yeah. I ended up out in Kenya, going to a friend of mine who had a charity there. And that's where I am now. What does, what does walking do for people? What, like, what you, did it do you, for You me? were in a really difficult place in your life. You started doing a bit of walking, next your life started to change. You know what? You talk to yourself, you answer yourself, you fight with yourself. And when you're fighting with yourself and you're talking to yourself, you're out here in the fresh air. It's a lot safer place than doing it in a dark home mm. room, which I was in a dark room many a night, fighting myself. But at least out here, nature has a great way of healing you. I know if anyone knows me as a young fellow growing up and to this point, I wouldn't be a nature lover. I am now. Mm. I think nature, cells, the world, people, we're all interconnected. Probably back to where I was as a 15, 16 year old, looking at Live Aid, where I knew I could change the world. They know it's changing the whole world, but now I know I can make a difference in the world. Now, your story is very similar to a guy we had on myself and James on live, Pat Falby. Remember Pat? Got up the yeah. top of Carlton Tool and he said he was going to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. Well, I didn't even, when I got to Carlton Tool, I just wanted to get off and cry. Uh -huh. Mount Everest was the farthest thing from mind. Yeah. Get off and just cry and never again do it. Coming off that mountain, never again. I did it, of course, because they dragged me out like. But, um, in between all that, I was always been actively involved in voluntary stuff in Watergill. Soccer clubs. We did a mini live in Watergill called Hillfest. I was part of the tree in that. And but once they had a total disaster, it didn't make money, but it built an all weather in the village, you know, mm -hmm. in the school and did what I had to do. But all that helped me build up my confidence as a person, I suppose. Because I used to work in the business world. We were shirt and tie. Everyone had high qualifications. I left school at 13. Mm. I had what I would call the gift of the gab, as they would say in work. And I learned how to trade from the traders on the gold cap. The best teachers you can get. Mm. Buy this, sell this, make your margin, make your money. Simple as, not rocket science. And that's how I got the job I got. And I said I got qualifications later on in life. True work. But I suppose, why am I in Kenya now? Following my dream as a 15 year old. Mm. Um, when I went to Kenya, I saw poverty like I've never experienced before and saw how organisations were run. The organisation I went to it were run very well, actually. What kind of an organisation was it? Just run by a Cork guy in an organisation. Um, run very well, very small, three or four people on it. What did they do? 
they show people how to farm what I took on myself and they also show help people with disabilities but I felt do you know what I could do this better you know in my head you think mm. you and I knew I could do something different you know and I met Mary there who's now my current partner and we got talking and I said she was at a stage in life where she started that organisation with other people Mary's not Kenyan she is yeah she is um, and she felt she needed time for a fresh a fresh challenge we call it mm. And I said, sure, look, we'll, we'll talk in a way and we were together. If you want to stay together, like 13 of us, we're not like grown adults, you know what I mean? We're yeah. a couple, we're not a couple, thousands of miles apart, like. Yeah. But we built up a lovely relationship together where I found, look, for 14 years, there we, well, I might as well have been a monk, I won't say a priest because they might play around, but monks don't. You know, I was totally settled. One life. Yeah. Made a conscious decision in my life to raise my kids as best as I could. And yeah. I did. But we developed, a, I felt I could trust someone for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it was a big thing for me to open up to another human being, especially a female human being that had been hurt. And we did. And we started what we call Akeel Africa. Um, at the time, it was registered in Kenya as an NGO, not here, because it's harder to register a charity here. And the following year, we were, we were registered here. But... I suppose that was in 2017-18. May, there was this big damn disaster in Salai. We just opened our clinic. I was funding the clinic through work here. Clinic, tiny room. Nine by nine, two rooms. That's the size of it. Right. Um, and a dam burst in one of the plantation farms. And I'm in Cologne with work, whining and dining, doing these trips and buying and whatever. Was for this now for the, the, the construction company? Yeah, for McMahon's. Yeah. They're across the key here for me. Um, I was there for years and I was their, their retail buyer. And... Might be able to get me trade price off and you know something. No else. problem, I bought a context still no mm-hmm. I mean, buying stuff still this week for more pizza <laughs> to come back. I'm not putting about 10 orders there. <laughs> I should be getting commission. Um, but um, I would say that now he's still very good to me. Mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, so we won't go give a note. He's not giving me commission. He's good to me, but um, I suppose I um, oh, lose my train. The dam, the dam, the dam. Yeah, was there, was there like but a heavy lost my train of thought. I was in Cologne. I lost. I suppose I panicked. Right, number one, I couldn't contact Mary. Got a text. Dam boss. The hope we survived. That's what I got. Something short like that, and I'm in Cologne. And trying to ring in and texting her and nothing. A day and a half, to, just under two days later, I get text from her. We're okay. In the meantime, I'm looking up the Kenyan channels as best as I can in Italy, like, and I find one. And I see a picture of her being interviewed, and I go, so she's alive. Mm. And so that night, she saved with other people. Now, but she coordinated just by default. Our doctor ran out of clinic. Everyone ran. She stayed. She stayed. Why? Because she didn't know where to run to. She didn't go saying, I'm a hero. No. She was there a couple of weeks. She didn't know where to go. She didn't know where anyone was in the dark. Like, didn't know where to go this way or this way. Generally didn't know where to run to. I saved this, so she stayed. And everybody ran to her for help. Kids, everything's come in, you know, drowned, covered in muck. And I'm watching this on TV. And I'm my head is splitting. I'm on the way back home to Cork. And we got talking and we just said, Jesus, you know, cried. Won't lie. I was the first time in my life. I was outside of my kids. I cried over someone. Yeah. 
So I said, Jesus, I would really like this car. Mm-hmm. Must be love. Yeah, must be love. The song goes. Have Mary got her own kids? No, no, um, no. She um, no kids, and we, you know, I said, get home. I have three kids here and I tried to give them the best I can. Thankfully, they're my best friends. Yeah. I did something right anyway and I get on with their I can mother. see why. I don't know about that, but... I can see why. But I was very active in their lives growing up and it's, sometimes I'd say they were delighted I went away because mm. I gave them a bit of space. If they had tiddly wins today, I was watching it. If there's something there, I was there. If they had a school match, I was there. Sometimes you're like a falcon, will you just go away and you just grow up without you being there? You know, I was always there. Mm. But that was my way of staying involved, you know. But um, my youngest lad says to me, like, I'm doing my leaving sort, sitting it like. I said, yeah, I want to give you the opportunity. I'm doing it for you, Dad, like, full stop. I don't, he doesn't like school, like. Mm. So if you're waiting for me, you'll be waiting. Mm. So he says, I spoke with him. We used to have these family meetings every month. And he said, we think you need to go. You're not here no more. You're heartbroken, like, you know. And I suppose I was. I went to Christmas just after Christmas. It's the weirdest feeling I ever had in my life. Christmas, how long ago? I went five years ago. Five years ago. Um, going out just after Christmas, 27 or 28. I'm very bad for dates, no lads. So I think it's Alzheimer's age, whatever. It's not, just bad for dates. Um, but I'm good with money, don't worry about that. <laughs> um, but I went out just after Christmas. I never cried so much. Leaving my kids for the first time. My youngest would have been 18, 17, 18, Sean. And I never cried so much, but yet I never wanted to do something so much. Mm. I can't explain it. And I cried and I cried and I went. And once I got to Kenya, it's like something went off. I missed them, but the tears stopped flowing, you know? And Myself and Mary were there. We used to live in the Kuro at the time, which is here to care, away from where our projects were. We're travelling out by Matata, which is like a local minibus or a bike. And I suppose if we were doing that for a while, then we bought this plot of ground, I suppose. Double the size of an average terrace house, you know. Small plot, an eight of an acre. And we built the mud house there. But in between all that, just to give a... A quick synopsis of, I suppose, Mary. Mary won this award from the President HSC Award, got it presented. And we'd be on the Matatu coming out and they were saying, this Mary lives out here now and she's rich and she's famous. She's sitting in the Matatu now with me and we're paying two euro between us to try and get out. Cause I went with the backpack on my back and two months' wages. Like nothing. My dream was to work for five years. Before that happened, I was leaving the mobile home because I was scaling back and I was looking after my kids and I wanted to put the money aside but my mind wasn't here so I left you know and I suppose that's how low profile she is everyone knows me the white man coming into and she's with me that he's in gold yeah well, that's, gold. yeah that's another story <laughs> that's in the last couple of months but, we'll have to yeah. tell that story yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we're coming in to Salai like and everyone knows this is the white man that's married to Mary like you know that's with Mary because if you're with someone in Kenya you're married mm. It's not necessarily married, but you have a girlfriend, yeah, you're yeah. married. Yeah. Well, nine to ten, you have a child nine months later, because yeah. that's the way it works. They're like, kids are like cattle, they're the sign of wealth, which is a sad case as to affairs, really. Yeah. But, um, so we were there, and people wouldn't even know, and they'd see me, and the next thing, the Matatu, they'd go, that's Mary, you know, and they go, why is she in a Matatu? Everyone thinks 
just because she got to the war, she got money, you know. Mm. But to get money in Kenya and to get on in Kenya, you have to sell your soul and that means your body and things. If you're a female, being a woman in Kenya is very, very hard. Is it a lot of sex work? Uh, it's you have to sell yourself to get to the top. There's a lot of how they put it as well. There corruption goes on there, mm. and you said it's very poor. Describe the poverty what you witnessed. All right, um, you're walking to. I'll, I'll describe where we're living now, right? Because it's better than going back five years ago, where I am now. And where I am living now, we brought home volunteers this summer and one or two of them wanted to do a home visit. I said, lads, one or two didn't, because I told them what they were facing and they understood it. We'll go out here now. You'll walk into a one-bedroom mud house and it's kind of half rainy season at the time, so it was a bit of rain, so it was very damp. You walk in, there's eight in the house, Father is no longer to be seen. Mother has a drink problem. Kids haven't eaten in two days. And we support them the best we can give food. But we can only do so much, just so many looking. If you're in a deal world, you make sure everyone was sorted every day. So they came in to see these kids here who haven't eaten in two days. Sleeping on bags, you know, like grain bags mm. years ago. We had them here still. Sleeping grain bags for mattresses. Um, one set of clothes. So whenever we visit, we always bring food to people and stuff. And so they got food, they were delighted. And What's the water situation? Yeah. Oh, there's water in Kenya. But it's like a cartel. Around us at the moment, there's clean drinking water. It's not coming to us because there's different factions in the community fighting. We have water on our farm, but it's not clean drinking water. But where our day centre is, which is 10 kilometres away, we give out 3,500 litres of clean drinking water a day. And how do you make that clean? Do you put some farm... Filters in it, the bottle filters. Filters. filters are actually sponsored by the Bond Secure Sisters here in Cork. They sponsor the filters. We funded ourselves 70 odd euro a week to pump it. Like here, that's going to double because electricity is going up everywhere. So we'll be no different. But at the moment, it's 70 euro a week. And then if you have a power cut, you're using a ginny and... We have the same problems. Mm. Just there, you don't have a social system where you get a dole or social welfare you work or starve mm. when lockdown came like the country lockdown everyone was laid off everyone's hungry mm. everyone's coming to us for support and they how was covid uh, around that area how, how where I am? Like, None. was there no covid oh no but the whole country got locked down because yeah. covid in the city is like yeah. and but where you are it was None. like you didn't have that difficulty of trying to look after people with covid no but the restrictions and the, the guidance of COVID made life impossible for people. Every so like around us is all these big flower farms. Mm. Picture, you know, the old African movies years ago when you see them in the American ones, it's plantations. Mm. Exact same scenario, but they're not slaves, as in being whipped. They're slaves through getting paid slave labour, mm. money. Just oh. a different form of slavery. Really. Mm. That's what I call it. No. You can argue all I want about these guys, but if they ever moved out these companies, they're better than nothing. Place would starve completely. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it's just hard at times to get your head around it, but over a while you just accept it and you say, you know what, we'll try and get them better working conditions. And we did after a couple of months meeting these guys. And now if you have a baby, you don't get sacked. Mm. Now if you're sick, you don't lose your job. These little guidelines. Mm. Now, that's all law anyway, do you know? But just because it's law doesn't mean it happens. 
And most job people order employed casually. So if you employ casually, you don't really exist. They have about, this farm has 3,000 odd workers. 1,000 odd are full-time, the rest are casuals. So if you're a casual, basically you have no rights. Mm. No rights at all. So we've, we've gotten them a little bit sorted. Are these corporations then multinational corporations? Oh, these companies now, this one is run by Indians, but they're based out of the UK. They're Massive company. What we have and where we are is probably the smallest entity. What's, now, what's the type of raw material? Is it a raw material which country, Kenya, or is it? Or is it, it has its own oil. Has its own oil. But he exported to be past the world and refined. Mm. And it comes back. It's a. Kenya's run by a handful of people who are what the Kenyans call them, Kenyan royalty. They call them royalty themselves. And you have this upper class. Sadly, we don't have a middle class. It's coming slowly in lights of the cities, but in rural, there isn't the middle class. And you have the poor. Mm. And the poor are forgotten about. And don't get me wrong, I see the struggles people have here. And Kenya's no different. But the only difference here is at least you, if you starve to death here, it's because you're not. It's because of pride, really. Mm. You won't go to penny dinners or you won't go to the food or savings in Nepal. But there you don't have that option to go mm. to someone, you know. And I just, you know, at times it gets very hard. Um, I won't lie, I've cried many nights underneath, as I call it, the mighty African sky. I've many nights I thought about coming home because the poverty was too too hard for me to comprehend. Do people in Kenya look at you as like the dollar signs? They did initially. Oh yeah, the white man has money. We didn't see the white man build the mud house. I have a stone little house now. I have a stone house now, but I've evolved, thankfully. Mm. But I built the mud house. We lived in it for up to last Christmas. We moved in there during the summer to our house. Because we had volunteers coming, so we had to give them some place. Mm. A small bit of luxury, like. They weren't going to come and still live in the mud house and spend 14 days with dairy with no hot showers and stuff, you know. So we got the little basics. I said, I'm, I'm privileged. I have a toilet. I have mm. clean water. I have a hot shower if it's not too cloudy. My solar will work. Um, I'm okay. Has um, Al Shabab, the Al Qaeda kind of It's terrorist still there in northern Kenya. Is that near where you are? No. Kenya's African map. Look at the map. Multiply by 100 because the map is defaulted. There's a real art. There's a real map of the world which shows the scale of it. And if you look at the map, the northern hemisphere looks bigger. But actually, the southern hemisphere is three times bigger than the northern hemisphere. Africa. Is huge. You could fit Europe, Russia, and a bit of China into it. That's mm. how big the landmass is. Jeez. It's huge. So you need to look at Google. Just a real world map. That's all it says. What a map world really looks like in Africa is that long, not that long, and that wide. You know, mm. it's huge. It's huge. So Kenya's huge. And Kenya's over by the Horn of Africa and yeah. east by Ethiopia, yeah, Eritrea. You've Ethiopia, South Sudan, you've Somalia around it. You've Tanzania to one side, Uganda, Tanzania, and Israel is going to be okay. The rest of them all have their own little problems. Mm. So in defense of Kenya, it's the best of a bad lot. Mm. I'm very safe where I am. I can walk down the street any day. When I say street, no, I mean the middle of nowhere. But I can walk the roads, no fear, no worries. Safety is okay. Bar when the elections were there a couple of weeks ago because the whole country felt unsafe, not just me. So yeah. it wasn't a personal thing. It was a country thing. Yeah. So, but you just keep a low profile mm. for those couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about what you do yourself and Mary. 
what you have set up do. over there. I'll give a little bit of the, the, the headings and then I'll divulge in if you want me to. Okay. Well, we started our clinic and we had, it's now running since 2017-18. It looks after the most vulnerable people in society and those who are affluent as well. They come to us now because we have a very good service and they pay for it. And those that can't will get treated for a nominal fee. A nominal fee will depend on the person. We say if you have um, malaria, the treat malaria is an average 25 euro. And if you're struggling, we'll ask for whatever, a euro, 50p. Some people might give five euro, depending on, we know everybody. So we make a decision based on people's circumstances. So what difference between us and everyone else is we treat you first. Every other clinic in Kenya, including the government clinics, you pay first. So no money you die. And I give an example of that there a couple of weeks ago, my partner Mary, we have a little baby boy, he's 10 weeks old this week. Congratulations. Uh, all good. After years of, it was planned, thank, thankfully, you know, my age. I Congratulations. Should be, I should be, have a grandchild, I should be giving up, but no. Uh, Fair play, yeah. Keeps, keep us, kids keep us young. Mm -hmm. But Mary suffers with this blood clotting issue, which we found out by default, which sorted out her infertility, not having kids. We balance it and she's able to have kids. She had a lot of miscarriages over the years. And but she got this bad turn there. Right? Mick was two two weeks old, let's say, so seven weeks ago. Pneumonia, pneumonia. Then the third week her doctor said, This is pneumonia. So we rushed her to the hospital. And she'd blow class and both her lungs. Hours within this. And here am I with Mick, who was what, three weeks old in the car with me. Barbara, a little girl we've adopted who's two years old in the care of me. Bring her to the hospital, they won't leave me in, which is fair enough, kids are that older than me, so they're treating her. And the first thing they ask for is money, 500 euro deposit in euro terms. What? Yeah, that's because the treatment was going to cost 1,500, two grand. Like, you know, they, they knew when they went in, this isn't going to be, mm. this wasn't the white thing, like this was just genuine, any Kenyan be told this yeah. wasn't taking advantage of me, no. It was, so, put my car down, he went through, thank God. I said, she's in now. We don't have to worry about it for a couple of days. So they did her tests, got her better. But the moral of the story here is, if I didn't have the money, she would be dead now. And that's probably people dying the whole time, so. Yeah, we already had that discussion before I came over here last week. Imagine, Mary, if I went that day, and we, like, many times we don't have the money. You know, look at God, I had it in my car when next or whatever, I had it. Because, like, if anyone knows, you're not a material person. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we look after people and look if we would look to my bank and go no you would say your man is nuts he better not here and get a job like, mm-hmm. I think I've I won't say it but it's embarrassing it doesn't like, matter anyway. if, I know, if your car yeah. was declined on the day you were in trouble like. big trouble yeah. big trouble but now, you know your own clinic would you have been set, would you have been set up for something like that if it had happened to no, another uh, lady no we wouldn't have the equipment okay so it, it was specialised equipment oh and don't get me wrong if you come here you would have to go to CUH or to the bottom. Oh, okay. You wouldn't get it in the okay. nurse even. You okay. wouldn't get it, you know. Like, if you picture Kenya, it's like Ireland. Kenya is like Ireland in the 1920s, 1940s, with technology. Oh. So you have to go to the one main hospital for the, where all everything was. Like years ago, you went to MRI to go to Dublin. Yeah. Same principle. Mm. When MRI, you got to go to this one hospital. Do you understand this? You have all this, same thing. Yeah. So we were very lucky we had the money. And just giving that an example, lots of people have that issue. They go to a hospital. We come to our hospital and we do what we can. We treat it and we say, look, we've got to go to town. We pay for people if they go on for ultrasounds. We give them a thousand shillings, which is a tenner. It's costing 20. We pay half. Mm. Thankfully, we have an ultrasound machine got now ourselves. Thanks to the bonds. We just need to get a lead for it. But the lead is about a thousand euro and we can't afford it at the moment. But we, but we get the lead, we're home and dry. We can treat these people. We'll bring out a guy once a week, do the scans for a fiver. We'll charge him a fiver. That paying tenner in town will save us a tenner. Mm. We're paying a tenner in to get him mm. to town. So it's a win-win. Yeah. And that'll bring us, hopefully, because our clinic loses money, out of the red. Something may be balancing where we're not losing so much, because we're losing a lot there. But it's yes. not there to make money. Yeah. So it's okay. Do you get support from the government in Kenya? Oh, no. We haven't got a grant from any, even the Irish government, a grant from no one. Now, people say, why would the Irish government give a grant? And I mean, through Irish aid now, like, not the government itself. Yeah, we yeah. haven't got one. Probably because we're too small. Mm. We run a whole organisation for less than 100,000 a year. We have 19 Kenyan employees of all tribes and religions. We make a big point of that. Mm. It's more or less a 50-50 split down the middle of male and female. Um, and people say, what do you need all the employees for? You have a doctor, a physio, um, and a lab technician in our clinic that's one thing we do then we run this I keep going now because I'm a, I forget what we do um, that's what we started with we started with this group of adults who have disability we were teaching them to become self-sufficient and you might laugh at this but the best thing that ever happened there was COVID because these people had to stand on their own because we couldn't meet them mm. so we broke into pods of 10 and they're working away great so they might have chickens, goats, and I won't say they're making a living, but they're making a few pounds. Mm. These are all people with disabilities, adults. That's what we did. From there then, we evolved to our day centre. Our day centre come early, event, early intervention centre is sponsored by Whistles, which are an Irish, small Irish charity, a friend of mine, and Caroline in Dublin. 
and they sponsor that. There we have 35 children who have disabilities from Down syndrome to people being wheelchair bound, bed bound. Um, I suppose these are kids, some have progressed to mainstream school too, three have gone to specialist schools and the rest will probably stay with us. As one goes out we bring one in, there's a waiting list there to come to us. All this is free, completely free. The kids get two meals a day, we pick them up and bring them back in my little van. I have a Citroen Berlingo, it carries each time 16 kids in the van, it carries about 70 kids a day, over 220 kilometres between all our projects. It's wrecked, it's falling apart. I'm actually getting parts here at the moment, sponsored by a guy in for my, he's very good to me, but they even said they're like at this stage, you better not buy a new van, mm. you can't buy a new van, because... Would you, would not some, would, wouldn't some company back here sponsor a van for you? The van I have is sponsored by McMahon's. And it's old, does it? Oh, well, bringing that van in, what, 2019 when it came in, um, was hard. Now the laws have changed. You can import, unless you import a vehicle through the recognised importers. Okay. So it isn't feasible financially. Yeah. If I get a van here for nothing, they charge me 15, 20k to bring it in. Then you have to pay your tax on it. You buy one 15 to 20,000 just to bring the van in. Oh, yeah. Like vehicles over there, like a 2010, we'll say, car. Yeah. We use a Toyota Yaris. I actually heard them there last week to drive around because my van's in bits. Um, it's worth 12 to 15k. 2010. Over there? Yeah. Why for the boat? Two grand here, yeah? Uh, not even. Yeah, I mean, that gives an example. No. They call vehicles. Jesus, lads. No, so vehicles, they're last a lifetime. Yeah. You know, if you were a collector and you had money, go in and take out these old vehicles and bring them back here and you would be minted like. Mm. Do you know what? That makes so much sense. I remember a while back there, all the lads, the black lads around yeah. the place, they were buying up all the highest vans and the Land Cruisers. Mm. And they were breaking them down and putting them into containers and, and sending them back to Africa. That's still happening. Is it? To Western Africa. Bits. And I never realised because a lot of their vans were actually in bits. Yeah. Right? But they were, lad, they were good. Do you know? And I asked a guy one day and he said to me, this guy was from Ethiopia. He was in my class in, in the college. And he said, you would not believe the amount of money that they're making off these vans yeah. and jeeps that they're bringing back in. They're being bought for. What they call them is they're built, they call them rebuilt them. Mm. It's a, an industry in itself, rebuilding vehicles. Mm. And if you rebuild a vehicle in Kenya through these approved organisations, it's reasonable enough. Because they don't have like the wealth in, like in our country, so they're not like getting PCP finance for a 2022 car. No. So, like, what we used to do before we became a wealthy country is if something broke, you fixed it and you got the maximum mileage out of it until yeah. it was. Do you know what I mean? But like my first car was a Datsun Bluebird and so we'd well have nice sheets on the floor underneath my pedals. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You just got out on it like you well. Mm. There was an NCT in those days, you'd be locked up like. Yeah, I know. We just did it. Mm -hmm. There was a crash in the back of it and we did a bit of polyfurin it and she was never painted. What about uh, diesel and petrol? Where's that over there? Expensive. The average daily wage is two fifty to three I talking euros so people understand me. But we'll go like for like we'll say a hundred shillings is one euro. But a hundred shillings a euro is actually one tension. So we go euro for euro just to make it easy, yeah. right? People don't get confused. So price of fuel at the moment, petrol is one eighty seven. In Kenya. In Kenya. Diesel is one sixty seven. Right? Strange. Um 
they're up to Roy Bosman there with the IMF. IMF control the fuel. They're up to Roy Bosman this. Um, you got to remember, people earned two fifty to three euro a day. A day. Oh, you're talking about it's it's one eighty for a litre of, of diesel or petrol over there for one litre, yeah. and it's the same back here for the same. But back here, the average daily wages daily wage yeah. is a hundred. 120 euros want that over there the daily income the daily wage is between 150 and 2 euros a no, day 250 to 3 euros a day 250 still that's for the unskilled right <laughs> yeah. the unskilled 99% of the population is unskilled yeah the rich oh. people around us earning 4 euro a day right they're skilled they can drive a tractor but there's only 4 tractors you know what I mean so they're skilled as you would call skilled workers and 90% of the workers 99 even are unskilled how do they survive? They earn 50 euro a month because you have to pay taxes. And you're pay, on average, you might end up with 42, 43 euro after tax. Mm-hmm. So it's a fairly high rate of tax when you think you're getting 50 euro. Like. Mm-hmm. And to buy a bag of maize, which is the basic food there, will cost you 60, 70 euro, which will feed a family of four. How will people survive and then? They're not. Is there like people a list of stuff second. going on? Like- people eat every second day. To eat one day, black tea for breakfast. It's not. That's how to survive. Is there a drug problem in Kenya? Unbelievably, where I am. And what kind of drugs? And I'm very rural. How rural am I? I'm in the Rift Valley. I'm the only real building around us. I built a nice, reasonably okay home. There's nothing around us. Is it glued the drug over there? The drug is basically cannabis grown locally. Uh, Changya, like pushing, made from maize. Mm-hmm. Telling you lads, you smell it, bloody head off, yeah. Mm-hmm. I smelled it <laughs> once. You, you've cat, thing you chew, which is actually legal. Yeah, I've heard of that. It's yeah, legal. Yeah. It's legal, so that's not illegal, but it has a fierce problem as well. Like. What, what, what is cat? It's grown on a tree, a leaf. Yeah. It's a leaf. You just chew it. Chew sure, it, but it make you stoned. Like, what what like, kind of stone? Like, like a stone. Stone isn't that you won't sleep for two days, like. You won't sleep for two days. Well, drivers, all the drivers eat it. Oh, it's like a stimulant, so yeah, like keep going. Like you see, yeah. you see the eyes. You, you, you walk down the street, fellas. If, you, if he's on cat, you see the different cannabis. Fellas, relax. Then yeah. yeah. Fellas on cat. Oh, you, know, you think he's gonna bump, yeah. break a head off you, but he's not. Like he's just always a bulge, you know, of his head. <laughs> Drink is a big thing. Changa, like it's a big thing. Young and old, and women and all. And I got very frustrated for a while over it. And I suppose, why did I get frustrated? Why are people doing it? But it's, it's the release from poverty. How else are they going to survive that? It's the release from poverty. Like, yeah. They suppress the appetite. Yeah, it's the release from poverty. Like, they like, yes, they all have mobile phones, right? Would you buy a mobile phone for, say, 20, 30 euro, right? But these mobile phones get you internet, but no storage, no, like you store five pictures, boom, yeah. there's nothing in it. But they don't, they can't afford internet, like, yeah. you know, so internet is very expensive. For me to do what I want to do, and that is just my Facebook post. And, mm-hmm bit of whatever it cost me 60 euro a month mm. that's more than my people are earning you know um, but then things are cheap in another way you want to buy a bottle of coke like you know the ones you buy in the pub for, they're probably mm. 3, 4 euro no way you can go to the pub yeah. since they came back but 45 shillings right you remember 45 shillings is an awful lot then when it's, it's 50 cents is it yeah it's a lot when you consider you're getting 253 euro a day you know yeah. you know so poverty is I don't know, it's very hard to describe it. All I can say is it's so extreme. Everyone that's come out of there has come, has seen it, have 
mentally and emotionally being shattered, looking at these kids so happy, living in rags. They're lucky. If they're lucky, they'll have shoes made from bottles or tires or something, or old pair of shoes, no toes. And if they're lucky, most don't. There's a guy there, we brought over shoes the last time we had a container over, a fine new fella, the time he was 10, a footballer, and couldn't get the boost to fit him. His feet are like that wide, like huge. Can't get boots on him, like, mm. from walking barefoot. And he's a young fella, like, don't get me wrong, he was here, without a doubt, he'd be in the Cork City Academy or something, or Cove yeah. Academy. Not saying he'd be Premiership nor anything, but yeah, yeah. he has ability above the rest. I'm sure he's no team to play on. Tell us about the scouting story. <laughs> we sponsored this team, but well, it's about two years ago now. We sponsored this team, local team, and they were going into the what they call their equivalent of the Munster Senior League. Because I said, "As you're playing this Mickey Mouse League, there's no rest coming." And I'll talk now the way they talk. But we know money. I said, "We'll buy your jerseys." Cool. And then of course he comes back with, "We know football." I said, "Jesus, that you're killing me, like." Like a football is 40, 50 euro. Like, remember mm. Ireland when you started playing the AOL force, the football was 50 pound. Like, mm. like geez, they're cheaper now. So look, I'll get you two footballs, two match balls now. Like, I'd race the training ball. So we got them. So I went down to see their second game. And very few of the knockers knew who I was. Look, they just had Blakela and the T-shirt. And mm. I walk in. I keep a very low profile in the public. Like, and this white guy standing in the line talking to Joseph, who's the guy in the club I know. Very good English, show's grand. And next thing, the game's going on, and no one's playing, and fellas are doing all these fancy flicks and trying to be at 10 players and 20 players, thinking they're all out of this world. And during the game, the ref walks over and he goes, The Joseph, like he was talking in Swahili now, not English, mm. so I had a clue, but Joseph was mm. translated for me. And my Swahili is very poor. Basically, he was telling him, Look, they all think your man's a scout. <laughs> and they're all, I can ref the game. They're all trying to beat everyone. The game was destroyed as a game, a football match. Uh, if you were the right impression. back, you were going up to get a goal. Like, uh, you got us uh, into uh, half. You so it was glory hunters. Yeah, they all just saw. <laughs> even their own players, because they wouldn't have met me before, you uh, see. Uh. And I just thought it was funny. So I had to go to the car, my van at the time, and sit in the van and watch the game. Like, in 32 degrees, a van, one window, and, you know, sweat pouring out of me. They're not known for creating great footballers, are they, Kenya? They're Victor Wanyama from Tottenham uh, and Celtic. But no, to be honest, I wouldn't be... I have a big soccer Runners, they're big runners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big runners, yeah. yes. yes. More Farah's yeah, in the knee. Yeah, yeah they'd be big runners. No, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be, I'm a big soccer man locally. Yeah. In local Cork, or in Cork City. Yeah. But outside, I'd have no interest in soccer. Yeah. I fell into soccer by default. My brother started a team many moons ago. Two games and he disappeared. I was left holding the baby, like. That's more, I've never kicked a soccer ball until I was 22, 23. Yeah. I was the rugby player on the pitch. I was a great man to take fellas out. And yeah. If you were there too, if I have no, but not, not deliberately, just yeah. because I couldn't play it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, got yeah. intensely. Mm -hmm. If I, you were there and I gave you a two, two yard pass, you were getting the ball in the head, and I was aiming for you. Like, yeah. I was shocking, but <laughs> I got years out of it. Like, yeah. and I ended up coaching teams and whatever down through the years. And it was a great passion of mine seeing kids get a game that wouldn't be playing, as I would call Gay at the time, G, because yeah. G was competitive, and we were giving everyone a run. I had a team there at one stage, we won the third division in Watergrass Hill, Division Six. Bottom of the bottom, mm. and we were we won, we won with me making sure every young fella played a full game every third game. We could have lost the league over and had a couple of parents in my year and mm. whatever, you know. That's tough going. On, isn't it? But my philosophy of the soccer was, yeah, I want to make and give them a memory, yeah, that they'll remember rather than. And I'm a big club man rather than a team man. And I said if I can keep these guys going, 
Det er meget kigget klubben, kan det klubben en junior var shocking, and det still er shocking to be honest. But thankfully, all them kids came back this year because there's a bit of work behind the scenes with my youngest son, who was playing with Fomoy and other teams, and then he just wanted to come back and play with what what I was saying because he's a big hurling man and mm-hmm. he couldn't commit to soccer, but he wants to play soccer. Mm-hmm. And so they got it going, and I was talking to club members who I wouldn't know when I was there, and I said, let's give him the shot. So they created this link. There are four games in this year, and they're more points than they had in the last three seasons. Right. Right? No, but, but like, to them, they, 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 yeah. to them, it's very bad, but the club, thank yeah. God, we've got a junior team at last for yeah. the kids to look to. And that's what I was trying to do back then, you know? Yeah. But people didn't buy into my philosophy because they all want their journey to be the premiership player and whatever, yeah. club. And, look, that's grand, yeah. but... Yeah. Eventually, I stepped away from it because of that. He got too competitive. I think the parents are the bigger, big they dream more than the, well, the, kids, the actual. The kids, kids just want like, to play ball. Yeah, they just want to have a bit of crack. Kids just want to have a jersey. Yeah, it's all about inclusion, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I stepped away. Then you know, my time was up. I felt after twenty-one years in Waterford so soccer, I stepped away. Between all the different clubs, now <laughs> there was four clubs there. If you go to the history of it, and I was involved in the four of them. I set up the four of them. So. Maybe I was the weakling because I kept saying to myself, in hindsight, I wasn't. But at the time, I thought I was the problem, you know. Mm. So I said, maybe time for Derry to step out. He's involved too much. And I did. The best thing I ever did for my own kids, personally, because yeah. I was in their face. Yeah. Yeah. And the best thing for them is to grow and become yeah. adults. And even for myself, it was a good thing because I needed to step out of it. You know, 21 years on one thing, you need to mm. freshen your ideas. And then... In the middle of all that, in my dark episodes in life, so yeah. people were oblivious to it. And what brings you back to Cork now? Basically, my visa. Your visa was up? Yeah. And are you hoping to get another visa? Well, I've sorted, no problem. All, back next Monday. All very good. no issues. You're going back with a container of medical goods as well. The container is going, and back to seal the container. The container will follow by ship, hopefully arrive middle of October. Thankfully, the Little Island Transport, LIT as they call themselves, have covered the cost of getting it to my door. My next Fair problem is getting it through customs, mm. paying for that. Why are we shipping the container? And we don't have the money to pay for customs because we need the stuff. And I'm a firm believer if I don't put my back to the wall, I put a gun to my head, I'll never find the money. Yeah. So I've been, I won't say knocking on doors since I come back because I haven't, but I've been basically telling my friends my problems, you know, yeah. in the hope that someone might say, look, I've no son, so I'm going to start out. Do you know if people are listening or watching and wanted to help or donate somewhere, how can they do that? Well, we have a PayPal account, we have a credit union account, we're oh. a registered Irish charity. Your website? Yes, www.lakeelaafrica.org. Um, our website isn't great because I manage it. Everything's done. There so is fun- no... the functional? Yes. That's all you want. But there is no um, office person. There is no... Yeah. I put it, there's no one getting 30,000. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you think about it, with 19 employees and, and our total expenditure is less than 100 grand a year. So that's giving you an idea of what we spent. Yeah. Do you know? It's So that's what we do. I suppose containers are very important because we have medical equipment coming out that will help us give these services to people at a nominal fee. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in not giving things free. I think if I keep giving you that free, you'll never grow. Mm. But I'll give it to you so you won't starve, you won't die, but then I'll try and work with you if I can. You'll always get, which we have, a section of society who can't help themselves because of addictions and whatever, and you'll always support them. Mm. But nine, nine times out of ten, people just need that little bit of step up. Yeah, you need to be responsible too. Yeah, and, and 
you sometimes know? we've seen it like we give a guy a job if you keep time. giving them stuff for nothing they'll they expect want, it for nothing yeah. you know we give a guy a job one time and within i suppose eight months he bought a motorbike so now he's like would you like a taxi in a motorbike yeah said, yeah really? that's brilliant i said to him like yeah. you need to do something oh i'm buying a bike i never thought he would now to yeah. be honest mm. he's had to buy two new better bikes since yeah that's what you yeah. needed a leg up he just needed that break yeah. might have 100 bikes in the roads down the line yeah, you never know not getting that 250 a day because no. we pay people double a fiber minimum minimum and that's for casuals mm. the rest of our lads are on very very good money by kenyan standards no not by our standards yeah of course our least full-time employee will be on about 120 euro yeah no every month remember now they're getting 50 euro a month. doctor be on 120 no, euro. at least at least. least okay the doctor's on five a month that is what he would get in the government. He's getting that for seeing, what, probably 1,000 patients a month. If he was in a government facility, he'd see 10,000 patients a month. So it's madness. He's getting good money for a very relaxed job. Yeah. But he's very good. When you think of the wage structure they have over there and the cost of living, like with the diesel and stuff, there's a massive gap. See, as tourists, you go in, right, for a very cheap country because, number one, you don't buy petrol. It's all on your bus paid for. But if you're buying, say, food, like, um, we'll say, Coke, or you want to go to a restaurant, you eat out for 20, 30 euro for a couple. Jeez, that's reasonable. But you know, what you don't realise is 20, 30 euro is nearly their wages for the month. Yeah. Uh, what you don't realise is the guy serving you is probably on 2 euro, 3 euro for the day. Not for the hour. Mm. Do you know? So when you get a tip of a 5 or a 10 they love you like. Uh, as a tourist you don't see it as a tourist because we swear just yeah, yeah, yeah and you don't see it as a tourist because you're brought in you're brought in and brought out we brought volunteers out this this year after covid and they saw it and they couldn't believe you have to experience it yeah like as i mentioned covid there no look i found it very hard in covid being told if i came back i couldn't go back no in defense of the irish embassy every week i was getting an email there's a flight there for you Derek. there's a flight there for you Derek. You know, mm. I would have to pay for it, like, but like, it wasn't like I was stuck there. It was the first time in my life I ever felt locked out of my own country because I know if I couldn't, if I came back, I couldn't go back, you know. Mm. And I was getting these dark thoughts again in my head, you know. Yeah. And I'm a very deep thinker at times, but thankfully, look, Mary with me, with Barbara with us, and at the time, we three kids, other boys living with us because we were rebuilding their lives with their parents, which are said brilliantly now they've gone home not for me personally because I'm heartbroken but for them the family is back together two families are back together and that was our aim and it was a very hard decision leaving go back but they kept me busy you know mm. the one that has um, autism and Sherlock for all his faults he's the best thing that ever happened that he kept me going like the yeah. so like they lived with us for what two and a half years and it came to a head in where the government agency said oh they must go to care I said, they ain't going to care because care in Kenya is horrendous. Okay. Picture Ireland in the 60s, multiply by 10 and 100 without going into mm. specifics. They get violated in every way. And especially the poor guy with autism. And so we got him home with the parents. We work with the families. The reason come out and Sylvester. The reason come over to um, brothers. We actually rescued him one time in a house with a friend of ours who was over. But I'm back for days now. So we used to have him to 19, 19, I'd say. She came over and uh, 
Marion herself went to this house and they heard noises. They thought it was ghosts. Following day, they decided to go back their way again, and I was with them. And we called to the house because we knew the boys lived there. This guy, uh. this small boy, was um, autism. We we're trying to get him into the a daycare, but the mother wasn't inclined. Two boys were locked inside in the house. We burst in the door. We rang the police, and the boys said they weren't washed since the day they were born. They weren't fed in three or four days. So we brought them to the police. The health board were called out. Everyone's wiping the head of them. So you end up in care with us temporarily. Two and a half years later, they're still in their care. And all of a sudden, someone decides to go, oh, those boys must come off them people. Mm. So they went to put me to care. And we said no. Well, Mary said no. And Mary sorted it out. So the boys were able to go back to their families. We support. So I'm Uncle Derry, which I always was. Yeah. But I'm really an uncle now supporting him with food, support, and helping the families. And being honest, have the boys personally stepped back? I was asked this question by a friend of mine yesterday. They probably have 10%. But we're be back 10% than 100%. Yeah. And it's very hard knowing their quality of life is less known than what I was giving them. By these powers, they make these decisions that they can win. As I say, you pick your battles. So our best battle is to put them with their families and support them as best as we can. Sylvester's so doing okay. He doesn't have a very much of a relationship with his mother. She split him from here to here with a machete one night. He came running to us at 11 o'clock. That's how we ended up with him. And so we were building that. But he's always fearful if the mother roars or shouts, he runs because he's mm. uh, fear. Mm. No, she hasn't touched him since, thankfully. But the fear is in his head, you know. So we're working with him. And, but he comes to us. They all come to us every second weekend and they come for holidays with us. So the reason we come out in, come out for one and five, fierce anxiety, still wakes to bed, still pulls himself, all the anxiety. We'd have sorted. He went home, he has anxiety again. His mother has serious mental issues. His father's a good guy, has mental issues as well, but a good guy who's doing his best. And the grandmother who's 80 odd works very hard to give him a quality of life. But it's heartbreaking knowing that if they were still with us, they'd be better. And I had people who, who were giving out to me and Generally giving out to me and not happy with the decision. And I said, you, you tell me so what to do. So there's nothing you can do. You did that and like, good. Oh, I, know, I won't lie. I cried. Mm. I still have, like, thankfully, Dorito, every day is in our day centre. Kamau and Sylvester, we bring to school every day. So I see him every day. Mm. Just to so go keep home. an eye on him from a distance. Oh, like. I would not even a distance. They're still yeah. part of our family, but they just yeah. don't sleep with us. Yeah. But that's a big thing because you're going home to a very damp house. But saying all that, there was a knight in shining armour came in and it's another one of our projects, rebuild a home. We've built homes now for six families. We started first with mud homes. Now we're doing stone homes. And our first stone home was built by Fiona and her husband. And it's for a lady who was being sexually abused. She'd um, six kids. She's moved in there, what, four weeks? No, she still isn't outgoing, but a change in her life. It's amazing. She's a home. She's safe. And I suppose why I went to that is because there's a lady after sponsoring home for Dorito and Kamau. It's at roof level. Now, home is two-bedroom stone house. Now, these homes aren't insulated. A home costs about 10000 to build. So it's not like you're looking at here, 300000 mm. It's a standalone project. If someone sponsors a home, we build a home. If they don't, we don't build it. What's it called again, Derry? Rebuild the home, rebuild the life, we call it. Rebuild the home. Rebuild the home. Rebuild the life. Rebuild the life. And, and if somebody listening to this wants to sponsor a home for somebody, 
it's onto the website again. Yeah, and look, I call it Spade Spade. We're building mud houses for 5,000. We stopped because mud houses, all the traditional methods, it rains, it falls down, you can't do it in budget. We've gone to stone houses, 10,000 euro. We've gone over budget on Fiona's house by 500 euro, nothing. We can cover that, you know. And the boys' house, I'm hoping we'll come in there or thereabouts again. The other thing is cost of material has gone up, but I bought an awful lot of material. Mm. I did what I would do here, bought all the cements. Who does the work for you then? Local builders. We use the one builder all the time, the stone, and this house, I've had them under contract, so if it takes them three years or six months, not my problem. Well, hopefully somebody listening or watching might want to help you out and contact us and look we'll direct them to the website but we're going to have to wrap it up there Derry. that's no problem it's already talking to you no you've done great work over in uh, West Africa I, I suppose before you wrap it up East Africa sorry. I suppose I'll just give people one thing of all our other topics what we do right education programme 55 kids clean water programme we have a Zeus farm training for farm and I suppose I've mentioned the day centre the day centre now to complete the full circle of education which is very important people understand our aim is to get kids into school special school they'll come back to us and we have a skill centre teach them a life skill mm. that's what we do practical skill that they can use in life. and look as I said before I start I could talk for hours I haven't mm. gone through 5% of us in my brain but that's my me I wonder I apologise that's fine you're going through it well and you spoke well and listen we get a good insight into what you're doing in Africa come here look I'm not saying I do everything right but you do what you can. But we do with the right with the right and best intentions. Exactly. That's, that's all I know. Fair play, boy. That's all and, I can and, and, and that's why I interrupted the movie earlier on because I wanted people to get this full story of what you do in Africa. Yeah. You know, because that was... Oh, uh, yeah. And look, I suppose know. I came in here with a mindset to say something different. I didn't get half yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Get but different. look, if people want to contact you, www.klafrica.com. Where I'm on Facebook, I'm everything. Yeah. I don't have a private page, it's very easy. Yeah. Can't miss me. If you head like that, how could you miss it? Right. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. 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 Thank Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.